Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you today. I trust that you are enjoying the readings as we are going through, and that God is blessing you through these, as well as your own time with the Lord each and every day. Today we are in our Truth Tidbits. We are continuing in the book of Revelation. We are in Revelation chapter 3. And we are going to look at the seventh of the seven churches, the last of the seven churches that Jesus writes to and specifically dictates these letters to with his final words, so to speak, to the church. So let's first read this last letter to the last church that Jesus gives John to write. And it's found in Revelation chapter 3 beginning in verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So here we see that Jesus is sending this last letter to the church of Laodicea. Laodicea was about 45 miles southeast of Philadelphia. It was about 90 miles east of Ephesus. And it was located also in Asia Minor, or Turkey, modern-day Turkey. It was a city in the Lycus River Valley. And it was named after the wife of a Seleucid king, and her name was Laodice. It is located between Hierapolis and Colossae. So you have Hierapolis, Laodicea, and Colossae all there together. The church there, we don't know exactly who started it, but some believe it may have been started by Epaphras, who is mentioned by Paul. But we do know that it is encouraged by Paul, although we have no record that he ever actually went there to see them directly. Paul wrote this church a letter which is expressed in Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. That particular letter, like some other letters that Paul wrote, were not 
included in the canon of scripture, but it was certainly anointed by God and sent through the Apostle Paul for their benefit. God just saw fit to not include it necessarily for us to read. But we do have mention of the fact that Paul wrote them a letter. Now, I'm going to speak a little bit more about that a little bit later at the end. Laodicea was a city that lacked its own water supply. And being between Hierapolis and Colossae, it had to have its water piped in. So in Hierapolis, you had hot water. They had hot springs, etc. So they sent the hot water down to Laodicea. Colossae had cold water, and their water was cold. So by the time the hot springs water would reach Laodicea, it was lukewarm. So Jesus is using this to understand and to communicate his message to Laodicea with a very practical example because Laodicea was in the middle and got the lukewarm water from Hierapolis. So in order to use it as hot water for bathing or medicinal purposes or something along those lines, they would have to heat it up because it had gotten lukewarm. If they needed to use it, if they needed cold water, the cold water would be good for refreshing, for drinking, for cooking with perhaps and other things like we would use it today. So both hot water and cold water were good and were useful. The problem was Laodicea was in the middle and got the lukewarm water. So it would have to do other things with the water to make it hot or cold for their use in those ways. So Jesus is using this practical example for them. Now, as I mentioned, we're not sure about the church here, but we believe it may have been started by Epaphras, who also appears to have founded the Colossi Church. So being that they're close together, it's very possible that he founded both, and we will read more about him and his love for both of those churches. Laodicea was a wealthy city. Record says it set on seven hills. It was a trade route, major trade route, so it got a lot of traffic, and it held textile production industries, banking industries, and even a medical school. The church here was very luxurious and materialistic, and it became an idol to them, their wealth and materialism. And we will see that as we discuss this church. The title that Jesus gives himself here when he addresses this church is the Amen, the one who is true and firm and solid, the faithful and true witness, the one who testifies to the truth, and the beginning of the creation of God. I'd like to read the Gospel of John in chapter 1 and just read a few of the first verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This is talking about Jesus. All things were made through him, and without him 
nothing was made that was made. So he's talking about Jesus. John is in his gospel. Jesus identifies himself in that same way, calling himself here the beginning of the creation of God. Exactly what John's gospel was referring to. Also, we read in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 18, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. So here Paul, in writing to the church at Colossae, is saying the same thing. And we're going to see how that message was also specific for Laodicea from Paul as well. So Jesus addresses himself in this way to this church. So in doing that, he's telling them that my witness and my testimony is solid and trusty, faithful and true, and I am the creator of all things. I know everything in and out. He says about their works, basically, it's all ifs. They had no good grades. They had nothing good said about their church in this letter. He said he had found them to be neither cold nor hot. Cold would be refreshing for drinking, etc. It would bring refreshment, soothing. Hot would be used for medicinal purposes like hot springs and, and things like that that can soothe and ease. Also for bathing, also for other forms of cooking and things of that sort. But their problem was they were lukewarm. That means they were tepid, and they were good for neither. Jesus' reaction was, he said, he would vomit them out of his mouth. It made him sick. It was nauseating to him. I believe this will tell us the core of their problem, because back in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 22, it says this, you shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments, and perform them, that the land where I am bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out. So it's interesting that when we look at Jesus' reaction, we see a correlating scripture back in the Torah speaking of something that was very nauseating. And it was when the children of Israel would have abandoned his word and not been doing it, not been living by it, not been giving it its priority and place of honor. So Jesus says this church, being lukewarm, is making him sick. And they are claiming they're rich, they're wealthy, they don't need anything. But in reality, Jesus says they are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Jesus' analysis of the truth of this church is far different than their own. In Hosea chapter 12, verse 8, the word of the Lord through Hosea is speaking of an ill that God has against Ephraim. And it's interesting because it correlates a little bit with 
the church in Laodicea. In verse 8 of chapter 12 of Hosea, it says this, And Ephraim said, Surely I have become rich. I have found wealth for myself in all my labors. They shall find in me no iniquity that is sin. Ephraim had that boast also, that he had made himself rich. He was rich. He didn't need anything. And God said otherwise through the prophet Hosea. It was a judgment against them. It was a word against him. So Jesus rebukes them. He says in verse 18, I counsel you, it's very strong word there, I advise you strongly to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. I want to read a word from Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 55. I just want to read the first few verses. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Jesus, through the prophet Isaiah, is calling for them to come without money, without price, and buy what truly satisfies you see, the church at Laodicea was so engrossed in the materialism, the wealthiness, the prosperity, all of that, that was about them in the world, in the city they were living in, that they had become idolatrous, so to speak, in that, and thought that they were rich and didn't need anything, and they were clothed and all of this, and the reality of it was they weren't any of those things. They were very poor. They were naked, they were blind, miserable, and wretched. And so Jesus is counseling them to come and buy the gold as if refined in the fire. First Peter speaks about that to us in First Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, he talks about that. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, it need, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Praise be to God. So Jesus is telling them and counseling them to get back to what's true and what's really important, what matters and what's really satisfying. 
Return to obedience to his word. Return to him and eat what is good and what truly satisfies. Let their gold, let their gold be that which is refined in the fire, proving the genuineness of their faith so that they can be and become truly rich in what matters, heavenly things, not earthly things. He says to come and get white raiment so that you can be clothed. And we know from Revelation 19 that the white raiment of the righteous saints is the righteous acts of the saints, doing right in obedience to the Lord and by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the leading of the Holy Spirit so that there's no shame because they don't have the white clothes and rather have nakedness. He also says to anoint or rub your eyes with Isav so that you can truly see him and truly see the things that matter, the things of his word and have understanding in him. Their problem was they were self-deceived. When you are hearing the word only and not obeying it, like we looked at in Leviticus chapter, you are only a hearer and therefore open to self-deception. I want to read in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So we see the church at Laodicea was self-deceived. They thought they were rich, but in reality, they were poor in the things that matter. They thought they were clothed, but in reality, they were naked and wretched. They thought that they could really see and that they didn't need anything, but in reality, they needed much. They needed correction. They needed to get back to what was right. Jesus reminds them that he rebukes whom he loves and chastens, affirming his love for them. This is actually very affirming because he's telling them, I love you enough to chasten you. I love you enough to discipline you. It also affirms the fact that they needed rebuke and chastening. And it also affirms their need for discipline, that chastening of the Lord. I want to look at Hebrews chapter 12, and I want to read verses 5 through 13 out of Hebrews chapter 12. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. 
For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we've had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them. But he, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So Jesus was calling for them to receive his discipline, to change their behavior, to repent and return back to him. I don't know how many times that I have thanked the Lord for his discipline when I needed it. I'm so thankful that he will correct us, and if need be, he will chasten us when we need it, because he loves us that much. And so he's even affirming that great love to this church of Laodicea. So he calls to them, he says, be zealous. In other words, burn with sincere fervor for me. Be zealous, have that zeal and that passion to repent. Do a 180 and turn around and come back to me. And then he says, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Notice this, that this is, he's speaking to the church. Now, many times people use this as evangelistic tool and a scripture when they're evangelizing and trying to win the lost. Certainly there is an application for that as well. But notice Jesus is telling his church, hey, I'm outside. Do you hear me knocking? You're going on with your thing in there, whatever you're doing, but you're, but you're not doing it with me. I'm, I don't have a relationship with you anymore, but I want to. That's why I'm standing out here knocking, knocking, knocking. Open and let me in so that we can sit together and fellowship and have a relationship together so that I can be among you. You then will be blessed in my presence and I can direct your steps and I can give you the gold that's refined in the fire that will truly satisfy and bless you. I can give you the water, the refreshing that you need and I can bless you and bless your eyes and open your eyes to see the truth and you won't be deceived anymore. You won't be self-deceived. I can make you a doer of the word. He's standing out there knocking. So this is also proving his love for them. He says, I'm standing out knocking. You're inside, but I want to come in because you've put me on the outside. So this church was doing something, but they were doing it totally without the presence of the Lord. There was no presence of God inside. They were just a show. It was all a show. It was all a facade. And this church is still applicable today. 
And we need to be able to recognize that we must test the spirits like John told us in 1 John 4. We must judge the fruit. We must be careful because there is much deception today. Jesus is wanting to come in and fellowship and have relationship with them. Notice here he says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door. He wants to come in and take back his whole church because they've abandoned him and put him on the outside. But he says this to the individuals. I'll make it personal. If you will come to me, if you will open the door and let me in, I'll come in. We'll have fellowship together. When they would eat meals together, it was a time of fellowship. They would sit down. Many meals were long. They, they were not quick, gobble down your food and then get up and go. It was, it was a time of real fellowship. It was a time of intimate discussion and relationship. That's what Jesus is longing for with the people in his church. He's longing for that with you as an individual. He's longing for that with every church that names the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he gives a promise to the overcomer. They will sit with him at his throne. In other words, there will be some type of special share in his kingly rule and dominion when he sits upon his throne in Jerusalem. Beautiful promise to the overcomer. So the call, again, for all who would have an open ear and come. Laodicea represents for us the materialistic church, the one that's all involved in all this worldly prosperity and wants that and seeks that. The one that is apostate, that is a church in name only. There's no presence of God there. They've rejected him. They put him on the outside. They don't want to talk Christ. They don't want to talk cross. They don't want to talk sin. They don't want to talk repentance. All they want is flowery words. All they want is materialistic words and prosperity. They're neither hot nor cold, both of which would be useful because hot would represent fervency in the spirit and in their love and zeal for him. Cold would be refreshing and soothing. Both ministry is of the spirit of the living God and good and useful. But when something is lukewarm or tepid, if it's, if it's lukewarm and you taste it, it's nauseating. You spit it out. It would make you sick to your stomach if you would drink it. They needed to invite Jesus back in. They needed to let him come back in and have his rightful place and honor his presence and his word. They needed to repent and return to him. It's interesting, and I want to direct you to this, and I want to close out by reading a few of these passages in Colossians. But I want to direct you to read the book of Colossians if you have the time. Or I encourage you to make the time in some way, in some small way. Read the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians was written to the church at Colossae, which was near Laodicea and Hierapolis. But you will hear all three of those cities mentioned here. 
And you will also hear in what I'm going to read you that Paul wanted the church at Laodicea to read the book of Colossians. It's a message for both of those churches, according to the Apostle Paul. I want to read a few verses out of the book of Colossians, and I encourage you to read it all. I, re- I went back and reread it all over again in preparation for sharing these things with you this morning. In Colossians chapter 1, I want to read verses 21 and 20, 21 through 23. Paul says, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Then I want to read chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So here Paul is saying he has this burden for the church at Colossae and also for the church at Laodicea in his day, well before the time when they had strayed away, and John now has to write the words that Jesus speaks to the church in Laodicea. Part of the message that Paul was speaking to the church at Colossae, and by his own account, he wanted read to the church at Laodicea as well, which is still applicable for all of the church today. Also in Colossians chapter 3, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then I want to read in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12 through 16. As Paul begins to close his book, these are the words he writes. Verse 12 of chapter 4 of Colossians. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphos and the church that is in his house. Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So 
Paul is telling us here that he wants the book of Colossians to also be read in the church of Laodicea. He's commending and attesting to the fact that Epaphras loved the church at Colossae and the church at Laodicea and the church at Hierapolis and was burdened for all of them continuing in prayers. So I encourage you to read the book of Colossians again with that in mind, that it was also meant to be a message as well for the church in Laodicea. And this was probably some 30, 35 years before the church now in Laodicea has become totally lukewarm, materialistic, and leaving Jesus on the outside. And Jesus now tells them, I'm standing at the door knocking. Please let me in. I want relationship with you. That's Jesus' message to every church. He wants fellowship and relationship with every believer. And so the call is to open up and let him in. Praise be to God. Let us learn from the church at Laodicea. Never be lukewarm. Be serious about God. Don't become self-deceived. Don't be after money and prosperity and things of this life. Don't depart from the truth of God's word and become apostate. Stay the course. Love him. Fellowship with him. Invite him in. Fellowship with him. Follow his leading. Welcome him in. And do not ever let your faith and your testimony and your works become lukewarm. Be fervent for him and let him use you in however he wants to use you to be a blessing to others. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.